What's going on, Spitfires? Welcome back to the Spitfire Podcast. I am your host, Lauren Lemonian, the Spitfire Coach, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's show. If you haven't subscribed yet, head on over to spitfirepodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. I think we're actually on a bunch of other ones, but I can't remember them. We thank you so much for subscribing, and if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. We really appreciate it. So I just wrapped a session with a brand new client. This person reached out to me a month ago in a bit of a crisis. Things were not going well at work. He felt like he was on the chopping block, that he just couldn't understand why things weren't working out. He thought everything was fine. And then one day he had a conversation with HR and was magically on a performance improvement plan. And so, He said, SOS, please help. And I actually was not taking on clients, but I thought, you know what? This is someone who isn't going to be invested in the process and is going to make coaching work for them, which is a key element. So I am happy to report that after four sessions, uh, not only has this person turned it around, uh, but he is feeling amazing about life. He's going into the holiday season completely stress-free, super present, and just ready to take on next year. And I want to take time today to just reflect on the areas that we focused in on, the transformations that happened, and then what you can do in the comfort of your own home, in your car, as you're out for a walk, or as you're sitting at the dinner table with family or with friends in this holiday season, things that you can do every day to help right your own ship, to help get back on track in the way that you want to live. So I will, I will back this up to our first session. And he started describing a situation where He had thought that everything was going really well. You know, he was working with customers and thought he was getting positive responses and was asking for help from his supervisor, from his manager, from his leader. And he didn't understand why he wasn't getting the response that he wanted or that he thought would be appropriate. And a couple months into his job, he realized that there was kind of a misstep that happened. And before he knew it, HR was involved. And I said to him, I don't think we have a communication problem here. I think we have an understanding problem. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're communicating in your preference. Your manager is communicating in their preference. And HR is communicating in their, pre- in their preference. But you all are not speaking the same language. You have a line of assumptions based on what you're saying. Your manager has a line of assumptions that you're going to get this project done, that you've understood, that you know what you're expected to do on a day-to-day basis. And HR is now under the impression or has the assumption that they are there to course correct the performance. Now, somewhere along the way, we went astray. We might have been on the same path, understanding this is the shared agreement of this job, this is what you're expected to do. But at some point, it splintered off. And before we know it, we are on opposite sides of the tree on the skinny parts of the branches. And we feel like we're holding on for dear life and that branch can crack at any moment. And so what ended up happening is after that initial conversation where they were now aware that the situation was not in their favor, they started reacting. They were nervous, anxious, stressed out, afraid they were going to lose their job around the holidays. And so the 
the rabbit hole, the machine of stress just took over. And so every decision that this person made, they were second guessing. They were wondering, is this going to be the conversation that does me, that, you know, is, is the final blow of my employment here? And thankfully, he has the option for coaching within his company. And thankfully, he was able to get uh, in touch with someone to start immediately. Uh, because essentially, he was on a, a, a uh, projection of fix it by this date or we're going to have a different conversation. And so we were able to catch the stress cycle in the moment and to turn it around. And we first started with just breathing, <sighs> allowing the stress to come off. This is the process of offloading. And what stress tells us is you just need to work harder. You just got to push through. You just got to work more hours, think smarter, learn more skills. And in fact, that's what he told me. Well, I need, I need to learn all these technical things. I need to learn how to do this. And so I went over his job description. And I said, well, so tell me where in your job description it tells you you need to become this person, that you need to have this skill set. And he said, well, that's, that's who my, my manager thinks I should be. I said, well, how do you know that? And then he took a breath and he said, well, I don't. I said, oh, we've got an assumption problem. Okay. So then we made a list of all the things that were true and all the things that were stories or assumptions. And the, the things that were true were that he got selected to do the job. He had to do certain things during his day and that his manager had certain expectations and things that they needed done. And we actually looked at what was, what was communicated during that process and then what was misinterpreted or reinterpreted as the storyline of you are not capable, you are not enough, you are not meant to be here. That's the translation that happens when we're under stress. And so people are always like, I have imposter syndrome. It's like, no, you have a stress problem. You might have a confidence problem. So that's the opportunity is how do we breathe into it and separate the fact from the story? And so that's what we did. And we started building momentum and evidence to the fact that he was really good at his job. And I said, so why did you get hired here? Why do you think you were selected? He said, well, I'm really great with people. I'm really good at building trust. I'm really good at empathy. I said, awesome. So let's leverage that. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, when you're talking to your manager, how do you know what they need? How do you know what's most important to them? He said, I never thought of it that way. I said, well, let's start thinking about it that way. I said, so what do you think is most important to your manager? What do they need? He said, well, he needs results. He needs to know that I know how to do my job. He needs to know that uh, I've got confidence in myself. And I said, so how have you communicated that? And he said, I haven't. I said, what have you communicated? And he took, he took a pause and he said that I need help, that I'm not capable. And I said, wow, isn't that a kicker? You spend all this energy thinking that you're building trust by asking questions, by asking curious and clarifying questions, but it's actually activating a stress response within your leader, within your manager. He's, he's signaling, you must need help if you're asking me all these questions. Because this is not a person who is really into that, of the touchy-feely building trust. He's into the technical side, the nuts and bolts. How does this work, the results? I said, cool, what we're gonna do is just transform this into a different language for your manager. And then we're gonna transform that into a different language for HR. He said, well, how do I do that? I said, you start using your empathetic muscle. Think of it from his perspective. Imagine he was a client. What would you say to him? 
said, oh, okay. Well, I would talk about the process and the plan and what was successful and what wasn't. And I would look at my role and what my outputs are and what my inputs are and then the adjustments and iterations that I took. I said, cool, so why haven't you done that? And he's like, I didn't know I could do that. So this is where we're making assumptions based on people's roles. When we don't know what's expected of us, when we don't know the must-haves of someone else, when we don't know their deal breakers, we may be inadvertently stepping in it every time we have a conversation, every time we avoid things. So if you want to be successful in communication, you have to look for what would give me the most understanding. What would allow this person to get this, to understand it, to incorporate it into what they're working on? How do I benefit them? How do I become an ally to the work that they're doing? And so once he was able to do that, it unlocked a whole new pathway. And then we started talking about a project he was working on. And he was relying on other people in order to move it forward. And I said, okay, great. What we're going to do is we're going to work on the good, better, best framework. The good framework says, this is 100% only up to you. This is organic. It does not rely on other people. We cannot remove blockers or anything else. What is a good enough outcome for you? And then in better, what does it look like if 20 to 30% of those obstacles were resolved? What could be possible? And then in the best, what would it look like if 60 to 70% of those blockers were removed? What would the ideal outcome be? And they were very different, but they were very specific. And he said, well, why are we stopping at 60 to 70%? I said, because life happens. You're working in a constrained environment, remotely, asynchronously. You're never going to get to 100%. He said, well, I never thought of it that way. I said, yeah, ideal is not perfect. Ideal is the best case scenario with the resources you have, with the elements you have, knowing the constraints that are going to come up. We are never going to work in a constraint-free environment, so let's stop giving ourselves that expectation and then comparing ourselves when we don't get there. And when he was allowed to let go of the perfect outcome and to allow himself to be in that good space, he suddenly felt in control and powerful. And he ended up coming up with a solution that got positive feedback from his manager, that got buy-in, and as of today, it was done two days prior to the deadline. Pretty freaking cool, huh? So when we start to gain momentum, offload the stress and the stories, it allows us to uncover who we are and what we do best, which then unlocks our creativity so we can come up with three different outcomes. We can look at what's possible without as many constraints. We can look at what we are capable of on our own, and then we can look at where are those obstacles, those blind spots, those gaps, and what do we need to resolve them? And then we know how do we need to communicate this? What do other people need from us? You see, if we're in stress, we're in self-protection, we're only thinking of things from our perspective and how do we make sure that we're safe? And so our brain starts operating from that lens. It's looking at how do you, how do you cover that up? How do you hide that? How do you not show this? Versus how do I allow my most powerful self, my zone of genius to shine? We have to change our mindset, not from a tactical standpoint where we're just giving ourselves mantras of you're good, you're special, you're awesome. We have to root it into a foundation of I'm amazing because I did this awesome thing. I, I spoke positively about myself. I showed up to work today. 
It has to be rooted in purpose. It has to be rooted in fact and evidence because if it's just fluff, your brain knows that. So when you're hearing these messages, it is not to stop you, it is not to slow you down, but it is there to remind you of who you are. What are you here to do? What is the impact that you're here to make? And if you're not sure, that's okay, but you know when you're in that state of flow, you know when you are on fire. You know when things are clicking together. And you also know when you go off track. So this is about coming back to center. Who are you at your best? And how do you get back there? And maybe it's a small step today. Maybe it's about taking a break, speaking better about yourself and to yourself. Maybe it's asking for help. Maybe it's getting a coach. Maybe it's reading an empowering book or a podcast. But do something kind for yourself. Because if you aren't injecting yourself with goodness, if you aren't showing that kindness, people see that and they're like, why, why is this person not taking care of themselves? They must not respect themselves. Do they respect me? Literally, this is the stuff that happens. So you have to be very clear about how you talk to yourself, about yourself, and how you show up. This is about alignment. Trust is about aligning your behaviors, and your actions with your thoughts. When there is misalignment, people can pick up on it. People know when you're not being honest. And actually, this client, we just we started going in through his values. And the last word we talked about before the end of our session was kindness. And after working through it, we said, he said something about kindness is, is about the truth. And I said, so where, where do you need to tell more of the truth? Where does the truth need to come out? He said, oh, I need to be kind to myself. I need to tell the truth about myself. I need to tell the truth about what I need. I need to tell the truth about other people. I said, yeah, isn't that, isn't that something? When we tell the truth, we don't look for validation. We don't look for permission. It's just the truth as we see it. We can do it in a kind and loving way. But if our intent and the truth show up, that's not about us anymore. That's about how the other person shows up and receives it. And that's about them and their story. But if we can tell more of the truth, if we can show more kindness in the truth, in seeing other people for who they are, their great gifts, their amazing assets that they bring to the table, imagine how different the world would be. So this one client in four weeks, and I would say even after the first session he was different, was able to save not just his job, but his self-esteem, his confidence. He is a new person. And he's like, you know what? I don't feel like I had to change myself. I just had to get rid of the old story. And that is what coaching does. That is what self-improvement, reflection, personal growth, that is what doing the work looks like. And he is at the beginning of his journey, but already he is, he is on his way and making things happen. But he started trusting the process. He started trusting himself. And that's what makes everything possible. It's these micro shifts. It's these consistent daily practices that align with your future vision and who you want to be, the life you want to live. So I hope this inspired you as we go into uh, the end of the year. This is possible whether you're working with a coach or not, but these are the things to check out, to be really conscious of, really aware of, creating space for to make more empowered and active decisions for yourself and really looking at the language you use when you're talking to yourself and about yourself to other people. So 
I hope that this has inspired you, has lit, lit up your inner Spitfire. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out, lauren at spitfirecoach.com. Have a happy, happy new year, and I will be in your ear in 2022. You all keep being awesome.